0: Verily, verily, I say unto you, even as you desire of me, so it shall be unto you. And if you desire, you shall be the means of doing much good in this generation. This promise given to Oliver Cowdery is much like the one that John and Mindy Buechler have experienced in their life. Their individual desires to come to the well of Jesus Christ has not only united them and their family, but also all of those who they come in contact with. I hope you enjoyed this really strong and raw conversation with John and Mindy Beekler of how they followed their desires to come to know Christ. Welcome back, everybody, to From the Well podcast. This is fun to be back. I feel like it's been a couple weeks since we've um, been able to have a chat. And today I'm really excited about the friends that are joining me. It's John and Mindy Beekler. Hi guys.
1: Us.
0: <laughs> if they can see your pretty faces, you wouldn't have to say so much, but you're, <laughs> yeah. but uh, the, John and Mindy are some of my favorite people. John and I go way back to way back when. And yeah, uh, yeah Davis high go da- go darts. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mindy and I, well, we've been eternal sisters for a long time, but we just recently reunited. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to have um, John and Mindy just tell us a little bit about themselves. Okay.
2: Um, where do we start? John is, I don't know, he's a master electrician, former DART with you. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the second counselor in the bishopric. Um, what else? He's an awesome father.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know about that. It's, you are. It's I watched him. It's Mindy you. that. Yeah. Does it all, but right.
2: So yeah, I'm the mom. Um, yeah, I cook, clean. You Want me to keep going?
0: <laughs> Tell me about your kids. Tell me the ages of your kids.
2: Um, so Brooklyn is. She turns fifteen here in the next oh
0: my word yeah Yeah.
2: I fear everybody get off the street oh my life
0: (laughs) (gasps) so fun so fun
2: yes so but she's just in the throes of her teenage years she's loving life um she loves dance hanging with her friends um she has a huge heart so her kindness comes easily to her um Mm -hmm. we've got Luke that is in the throes of, well, I guess in the beginning of teenage years, seventh grade. How much harder can it get?
0: <laughs> Isn't that the truth?
2: Yeah. So, but I mean, for him, it's basketball, everything. That's all mm. about and dreams about, and he says that he's going to be in the NBA. And if he doesn't make the NBA, then he'll be a surgeon. He's nah. that
0: easy transition. Yes. Right. Right.
2: <laughs> so, but he um he's one that his spirituality comes naturally to him. Like from the from day one, he just has this sweet demeanor and he's just always stayed close to the Holy Ghost and is just a good kid. Sweet. Um and then we got Emily that just got baptized last year.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: So crazy. She um, She's a ballerina, she loves craft, and she can talk for hours with I her. love her.
1: <laughs> Consoles were a couple years ago, so she's sounds like a little mouse. Yes. <laughs> I it's miss awful. her. Oh, it's cute. Uh, yeah.
2: But she's the happiest you, little girl you would ever meet. Like, she doesn't get angry, and if she does, it's only for, like, a minute. Mm-hmm. Just a good, good girl. Sweet.
0: So, Sweet. How did you two meet?
2: He used to work for my dad. My dad ran a adolescent treatment program. Mm-hmm. And John was a staff member there. And then later, I became a staff member. And yeah, we, w- we actually hated each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a great way to start a relationship, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, we, I don't think we hated each other, but we argued a lot. Yeah, yeah. Just got all the... Yeah. Huge differences of opinions. Yeah.
2: I saw John as just this good looking guy that was just like a chick magnet. And so he had to have had the ego, right?
0: Mm, y- you would think. Right.
1: <laughs> so yeah.
2: but yeah. And awesome. We dated like what four or five years after we met. So I think I was 16 at the time.
0: Yep. Oh wow. So, wow. Yeah. So you met when you were quite young then. If you waited yeah. like four or five years to start dating. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good. Good. Well, the reason why I asked you two to be on the podcast today is um when doing these podcasts we have a focus word and the word for this podcast is desire. And um I have had the real fortunate opportunity to be have a really great seat to see John and Mindy really affect a lot of people's lives, including my own by their desire to come to and follow Christ. And, but they both each have their own personal journey to get there, but it has brought them united in in the most incredible way. And it's inspiring. And, um, I remember specifically one time, um, two examples, actually. One time, John. Um, I I mean, I knew John in high school and everything, but I hadn't talked to you much um, since then or even when you moved into the ward or whatever. Um, but I remember you standing up to bear your testimony and you just sharing your entire heart and sharing your entire journey and desire to come to know Christ. And it was powerful. It was so powerful and he is John is not shy about sharing this incredible journey he's been on and Mindy I had this really sweet opportunity she I was at her house visiting her um, and she just opened up her desires um, that she had to come to know Christ better so I'm excited to get into both of your guys's experiences um, because they're pretty powerful and to see where you're both at today is just oh it's the best so yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: the best so okay so um in the study for institute for these next two weeks is kind of a weird combination of chapters (laughs) but i kind of went through to try to find like the commonality in all of it it's um dnc 3 7 10 13 and 18 (laughs) so it's kind of like this random um random group of um which probably is not random random group of sections that are put together but it's all about desire. And in section three, we find that um, Martin Harris has this desire to really, he just wants to see what he's been translating with Joseph Smith. Like he's all in, he's invested, but he has his family at home that is like giving him a hard time. Like his wife, like a John, I don't know if Mindy's ever given you a hard time, which I doubt she has. Yeah.
1: Never.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Martin Harris has this wife that it's giving him such a hard time. Like, granted, like he's investing all this money and this time and everything. And she just wants proof of what he's doing. And he's getting a lot of slack from a lot of people. And um, and so Martin just wants to appease, like, get this taken care of. And what happens to the manuscripts? Like, they're totally lost. And so um, I love in verses. Um, section three verses six through eight. You know, I'm using the scriptures that I had in seminary. Awesome. And when I was first married, my daughter got to him and drew black magic marker, like <laughs> all over all these pages. So I don't even know what half of these sections really say, but we'll, we'll we'll try to guess for a second. But anyway, I should have had this opened from before. But in section three, um, it says verses six through eight. Oh, let's just start with five. Behold, you have been entrusted with these things, but how strict were you keeping, how strict were your commandments? And remember also the promises which were made to you if you did not transgress them. And behold, how oft you have transgressed the commandments and laws of God and have gone on in uh, the persuasions of men. For behold, you shall not have feared man more than God. I love that thought. Like how many times did Martin bother Joseph to ask God to borrow the manuscripts for a little bit? Yeah. And every time um, Joseph came back and said, God doesn't want you to, but then he kept pressing.
2: Man, I've done so many times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like where you pray and it's like, you get your answer, but it's not what you were hoping or it's the harder of your options. And so you just keep, asking
0: mm-hmm. Totally mm-hmm. until you kind of hear what you want to hear right totally
1: yeah and I think with Joseph um obviously seeing Heavenly Father and Jesus in person um he probably wasn't intimidated by him but he was pretty well to do and he was very well known mm-hmm. so it was probably I mean he was really young and so it was probably hard to sit and just keep saying, well, no, you know, and for, to Martin's request. Yeah. Because wasn't
0: Martin quite a bit older
1: Yeah, than Joseph? Was. And he, he was pretty well, I mean, he had quite a bit of money, I think. And he helped, you know, put a lot of things together for the Book of Mormon. And, and so I think it was hard for Joseph to probably, you know, just say, hey, Heavenly Father twice now has said no. Mm -hmm. and it just and he took he he felt like martin had also put himself out there because people hated him and harassed him that at one time respected him because he decided to help joseph yeah so i'm sure he felt some kind of loyalty joseph did to him trying to yeah
0: and verse seven it talks about that it's like why did you fear man more than you feared my response And I think sometimes I do that where I want to appease like all of these people and kind of fear their reaction to what I'm doing or, you know, wanting to please, just please them and not just focusing my efforts on what does God want me to do? Right. Have you, have you guys had like an experience like that where you know what God wants you to do, but you feel pulled to like keep going in a different direction because it's easier maybe, or it's, um, I don't know. It's just easier to please people.
2: Do you see what I'm saying? Totally. So, um, a little while back, we did some temple work for my ancestors and I had the most overwhelming feeling that we needed to go to the temple But I sat on those names for like three months because I was so afraid of my family's reaction to doing their temple work.
1: Hmm. So maybe go back a little bit and tell them with your dad's side.
2: Okay. So my dad's side, we have to get permission from the first presidency to do their work Um, because several of them are, yeah, just different religions. And a lot of them were
1: a big part of the FLDS group.
2: FLDS. Okay. And So um, I didn't even tell my dad that we were doing, like that I wanted to, to still my grandparents together. Because before she died, she had said, I will turn in my grave if you sell me to Heber. <laughs> oh, my. But I figured, I'm like, you know, we sh- should do it. And then they have the option to accept it or not. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, but I I was worried about my aunts and like cousins and everybody that they would be mad at me for doing the work.
0: And what was their reaction once you've done it?
2: um, My dad was happy. I mean, he he cried and was happy about it. Um, My aunts, I just didn't ask their opinion. (laughs) I told them that I did it and just left it at that and didn't open it to getting their, I don't know. The wrath I guess because I think they would be angry.
0: So what was that initial feeling of like I need to do the temple work for these relatives like what was that initial feeling like?
2: Um, I felt like I feel like everywhere I would like throughout the day I would feel like I'd get these fillings or certain things would bring my memory back to it that I needed Mm -hmm. to get it done and it just felt like just over overwhelming, I guess. And so when we finally went, um, the guy that was doing the ceiling just kept crying. He's Mm. like, I don't know why I'm crying, but I can tell you that the spirit in this room is tangible. Like what is going on? And so he approached John and I after asking who the individuals were. And I explained to him that it was actually Hiram's grandson and great-grandson that I had still like their family. Wow. And he, his response was just, okay, that they wanted to make it known that that was the right choice. And the presence was there, I guess.
0: I love that. It's so interesting because today in our Institute class, we talked about Oliver Cowdery and how just something in him was pushing him to discover who this Joseph Smith was and what this desire was to like, act on this something that he just had never had that feeling before. And so sometimes like, I feel like we have feelings where we know they're strong. We know where they're come from, but you don't know where that's going to lead, but you know, you need to act. Right. And that sounds like just like the experience that you had where you just don't know. But I think that's what it's teaching us in DNC three that you focus on God and you focus on those initial feelings that you have just kind of like Oliver did. um, That heart will drive you to these really incredible places that God wants to take you. Well,
2: and it's all about trust and faith. Mm -hmm. And that's hard because it's not something that's based on, science or facts like you just you have to trust
0: yeah exactly and that desire to to who do you want to please one more um than the other um i there's a talk that we've been kind of studying it's called according to the desire of our hearts by neil a maxwell and um, one of the quotes talks about desire he says desire denotes a real longing or craving Therefore, we insistently desire over time is what we will eventually become and what we will receive. It goes on to say, Alma said, I know that God granteth unto men according to their desire. And I know that he alloteth unto men according to their wills. And John, I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit about desire and how um, the desires that you've had in your life have led you down, um, different paths and how this path you're on now, um, how you got there.
1: I'd love to. So, um, yeah, I grew up, parents were in my family, you know, I had wonderful parents, wonderful brother and sisters, still do. Uh, and we were very active in the church. Um, I really struggled with the church. Um, just couldn't seem to find the importance of it, or it, it just never meant to me what it did to everyone else. And I would see people get up and bear their testimonies and talk about, you know, how strong their faith was and how blessed they feel. And I would just sit there and be like, I, I don't feel that. And to be honest, I think it was, you know, like our prophet saying now, God loves effort. And my effort wasn't where it should have been. I wanted something, but I didn't quite put in the effort or had the desire to get there. But some of us sit back and say, I want this, but I'm not willing to put in the effort. So, um, you know, through many years, uh, lots of struggles that I, you know, commit, I caused myself. Um, By the way, if anybody wants to know, the stove is hot. I've had to touch touch a few times. No. But, um, so just a lot of struggles that, you know, I did to my, I caused myself a lot of pain and people around me. And, and so, um, my turning point was, um, was like th- almost three years ago now, went to a funeral, uh, for a neighbor who had lived behind us in our last neighborhood and he was killed, um, on a bike accident in Layton. And so I went to his funeral and I remember sitting with my wife and talking with old neighbors we hadn't seen in a while. And then I, the music started playing and the family walked into the chapel and we all stood up and I just saw this. um, I just saw a a lot of pain in the kid's eyes and the wife, and it really just grabbed a hold of me and kind of just shook me to my core. And... um, during the funeral, there was a song, and um, a little girl got up and was singing it, and it just—it really touched me.
2: It was peace in Christ?
1: Yeah, peace. Yeah, yeah, peace in.
2: I love that song.
1: So after I just, uh, um, I went back to work, just thinking constantly about how I had felt, kind of what shook me, and that night I got down on my knees and um, decided that. I was uh, going to find out if this is real. You know, I wanted to know if God was there, if he heard me, if Jesus did walk on this earth, you know, if the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the true church on this earth. And so I prayed and this thought came to me that I should spend a week um, only allowing positive things in my life, music, you know, TV, uh, listening to conference talks. So I did it all week. Prayed, read scriptures every day. Um, by the end of the week, I just felt this burning feeling of peace. And um, after that, I just pretty much dedicated myself that this is what I want. And this is my answer from Heavenly Father. Because it was a, a peace that I hadn't felt, you know, I'd felt off and on throughout the years. But it seemed like it was always out of my grasp. And, you know, depression and anxiety and things like that seemed to always overpower it, even kind of deep down. And so um, I just started slowly working my way up, you know, uh, finally, you know, when I was 37 years old, finally reading the Book of Mormon from the front to the back all the way through and and reading Moroni's promise and you know, it just really hit me, and it it completely uh, changed my life as a father, as a husband, um, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I I truly, at that point, even though I've been a member my whole life, I truly could say at that point and now that I feel truly converted to the gospel, and um, I just have an excitement about it. I have I feel like I I have an eternal view. I mean, I have a lot to learn. Um, You know, I'm I'm catching up to people that have been learning and putting a lot of effort into this gospel their whole lives, but um, I absolutely love it. I I was put in the bishopric, and people would say congratulations, and some people would say I'm sorry, and I've (laughs) loved it. I've loved every minute of it. There's not been one time since I've been in um, that I've not wanted to be in it. I just, it's, every time I, I feel like I do something or I grow a little bit more, I feel so much better. And, and it doesn't mean mm-hmm. I don't have my bad days and my struggles and physical pain or emotional pain or depression, anxiety. It's all still there, but the biggest difference is Is now it's manageable. It's still there, but it I can deal with it. I can Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I know there's something more even after this life for me and my family.
0: Wow. Wow, that was incredible. John and I didn't realize like when you were going through really finding out for yourself about the gospel that you had struggled with depression and anxiety during that time as well. And with my own personal experience with that, um, how did you, when you were feeling just really depressed and full of worry or anxiousness or whatever, how did you keep that desire alive? When sometimes when you're in that state, you can't feel anything at all. So how did you keep connected during those times? Um,
1: yeah, that is so true. It, it, for me, I always would describe it as something like deep inside me in my stomach, like, like someone was almost sitting on my chest and it was just this pressure and no matter what I did that that pressure wouldn't go away it was just there and it it caused my emotions all over the place and and so yeah it was a struggle and I think um after I felt like I had received that answer I just made a promise that no matter what no matter what mistakes I make from now till you know I. Um, till till I meet my savior again that I'm not going to give up Um, I've made in the last three years since I've made changes I've made plenty of mistakes as a husband and a father Um, but that promise has always been there that no matter what, no matter how hard things get um, no matter how big the struggle is I will not give up I will, I mean, keep my eye on what I promised and I won't give up. I it's, sometimes you have to put your head down and look at the ground and kind of lean forward just to keep moving one step at a time. You know, when that wind's blowing and it feels like it's pushing you backwards and you lean into it and just walk for a little bit, eventually that wind stops blowing and then you are able to pick up the pace a little more and keep moving but it's almost a decision. that's a perfect description. it's just almost a decision that you have to make. but i think again god loves effort and when we finally and it took me 37 years, but when we finally make that decision and put in that effort and make the effort to pray every day and to read scriptures every day that he makes it manageable. He makes it not so hard that you can't get through it. Mm-hmm.
0: Gosh, John, that sounds so much like Joseph Smith when, um, when he talks about the first vision and he talks about how I knew it, God knew it. And that's all he needed was just to, he was solid in what he witnessed in that sacred grove. And you were too in your own experience in that funeral and filling that song of peace in Christ, um, you were solid in what you knew, and I think that 's so important and it 's so difficult too when you 're in those um, mental places that are just so hard to get out of that you 're right, you just keep your head down and you keep pushing through because you just go back and you remember your what you know and what God knows too, so that 's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. No Um, there is this quote in that same talk I gave earlier. It says, um, God's merciful plan for our joy and glory. And it says, and then Satan desires that all men might be miserable like unto himself. So we know that we're here and that God has a desire for us to have joy and glory. And Satan also knows we are here and he has his own separate desires that we'll be miserable like him. I mean, that is miserable even reading that right, yeah. <laughs> With, within itself. And I think that um, God knows us so well better than anybody else, and the adversary also knows how to get us in those parts where He knows we can feel the most joy, and He can make them make us feel like we're not worthy of it and turn it into something that we. Question and change and we can like our desire can be questioned and so that's why I find I mean no one's perfect and you know I'm sh- I'm sure there were things along the path John that you weren't thrilled about but you really did not let the adversary ruin that desire to move forward. Um, and I had an experience with Mindy at your house where you were telling me about wanting to go back to the temple. And, um, as you were talking, I just remember what I was feeling inside. (laughs) Like I, I am probably one of the most insecure people on the planet and Nate's in the other room and I can come get him to tell everybody that like for sure. (laughs) But, um, but I remember, um, sitting with you and you talking about this desire and I remember feeling to myself, oh my gosh, how many times have I told myself, I can't do something cause I'm not good enough here when I can. And he wants me there, if that makes sense. And so when I was talking to Mindy about going to the temple, that desire you had so much to go and be there. And but at, at the same time, I could see the adversary like pushing the brakes on or making that wind blow a lot harder and making it so much harder to make, take that next step. But you did it like you did it. And, um, And I just, it's a beautiful thing. So Mindy, do you want to share with everybody a little bit about your, what those feelings were like and how you got back?
2: So, um, you make me cry.
0: I make, I, (laughs) yeah, well, we all cry here.
2: (laughs) So I hadn't been to the temple in gosh, I think it was over three years. Um, I just, I was kind of in a really like in a rut and, I can remember I had just gotten put into primary like into the primary presidency. And so I had all those feelings of doubt as is, because I think that when you get put into callings, the adversary pushes that much harder to make you feel incompetent or not worthy enough to serve. And, um, So I think I was dealing with those emotions and, you know, I think we're all hard on ourselves normally. And I think that I had some other personal stuff going on, like with friends and I had just lost a dear, like an uncle to me. And just, I feel like everything was just kind of being rocked a bit. And I can remember being, ooh, feeling total despair and sorrow, and kneeling down in prayer, and just pleading with Heavenly Father to help me feel that I can overcome it, just encouragement, and feeling like. That it was that there is a big picture that 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 there's something that there's a there's a reason for all of this, and I think not even a week later, this cute little relief society president that came and knocked on my door. And I can remember talking with you and wanting to, expressing to you that I would like to go to the temple, but it just, I wasn't going to go because, because I wasn't good enough. And I can remember you handing me a book that was all about encouragement and women and I love that. And you said, I don't know how long it's been. I don't know why you haven't been, but I can tell you that the Lord hears you and, and loves you and knows your heart and wants you to come back to the temple. And it just, it was an answer to my prayer. And I think that that was probably one of the biggest testimony builders for me, that it was like, he does hear me, you know, that he might not come down to me, like, or send an, angel. well, I guess he did send an angel, but it wasn't how I, I was picturing that he would answer my prayers differently, if that makes sense. But he used you as the conduit and spoke through you and i just i i think it was an experience that i cherish and old dear to my heart
0: well mindy i hold that experience dear to my heart too because i think it wasn't necessarily about me at all but about your desire to really to really just do the right thing and do the thing that god wanted you to do um and it's a fight every day to keep that desire and to do the right thing and to follow his path. Even when you are, it's unfolding in ways that you didn't, didn't think it would happen or um, see it happening that way. It's a, it's a battle. There's a quote in this, in that um, talk. It says, president Brigham Young said the men and women who desire to obtain, obtain seats in the celestial kingdom will find that they must battle every day. Therefore, true Christian soldiers are more than weekend warriors. And I absolutely love that. I think that um, that the adversary really works on men and women, but I think maybe it's because <laughs> I am a woman, <laughs> but woman is, women especially too about how they are just not worth any effort to feel that love from him. And we find ways and a million different reasons why it's not for us. It's for everybody else because I'm not good enough in this and this and this way. And I'm wondering, um, John and Mindy, how you take these experiences that you've had individually and you share them and help your children grow their desires to come to Christ. Like, how have you taken your life and brought it? To your kids to help them.
2: That's a hard one because Brooklyn is John's mini in the fact that I touched the stove 15 (laughs) times before she learned.
1: I only had to touch it 14.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Only 14. See, (laughs) step ahead. Um,
1: So for me, um, some of my experiences, I've I've tried to use to uh, help them. I've just for me, I'm a very visual person Um, I work in engineering and I have to visualize everything I've always been hands-on and so when I hear people talk um, before changes um, when people just like get up in sacrament and talk just doctrine the whole talk was about doctrine it was hard to follow Um, now I you know the more I I read the more excited I get about the doctrine um, and I kind of nerd out over it but uh, but <laughs> for me, back then, um, I knew that experiences were a huge part of people's lives. And if you could share the experiences you've had with others, um, they could find a way to connect to you. Um, we, we really try to tell our kids, you know, our, our kids aren't perfect either. But when you run into someone at school who's mean or being, you know, being difficult with you, um, be careful how you react because we never know what's going on inside someone's home or we don't know what's going on inside that person. And they might be behaving that way because they're hurting. And, you know, I don't want to ever be the person that pushes someone over the edge with that. But um, to answer your question, I just think I really try to use my experiences um, with my kids to explain what I've seen and what I've felt, but not only that, but to tell, let them know that they're not alone, that we, we've felt these struggles too before. You know, we know what it feels like to get bullied or we know what it feels like to feel alone, even though you're in a, a room full of people or to, you know, feel scared about the future Or just have that feeling of that unknown and not knowing what to do, even though you have people all around that love you. And so I just, my biggest thing is I try to use my experiences to help guide them. Um, Just, you know, like with the scriptures, the experiences I've had, um, I think when they get older, it's easier to talk about the doctrine. And obviously we, we do teach the doctrine. But we also mix it with experiences, so it seems more real. I think younger people it's hard for them to grasp something that happened you know twenty five hundred years ago with Nephi mm-hmm. you know leaving uh Jerusalem with his family it, it's It just seems almost unreal' cause it was so long ago, so we try try to tie yeah. those in together.
0: So you talked about Luke in the very beginning when you were introducing um, your family and you say that Luke is really um, attentive to the spirit and he's always just kind of been that way. What do you think kind of keeps him going and that desire to feel and heed the spirit in that little junior
1: high, seventh grader life?
2: <laughs> something that my dad has taught me um... You know to to go with the Holy Ghost, and I think that at a young you know when they're baptized and all that, we've tried to help them identify what it feels like when the Holy Ghost is speaking with you. Um, you know one of the things that, like I was saying, that my dad taught me is I tell my kids to put their hand on their heart and to feel, to shut out the outside noise and feel feel what is right and wrong. And I know that Luke does that often that even if he's in class and kids are being kids that he can, you know, tune them out and, and fill. So.
0: That's an amazing gift. That's amazing. Amazing gift. And to have two parents that really have had their own, experience, um, kind of refining that gift of hearing the spirit and figuring out how to heed and whatever, it just helps so much. And I don't, we learn so much from our kids. (laughs) Like, it's amazing how they're really innocent. Um, I mean, I'm going to use desire probably 400,000 times today, but (laughs) the word their own desire, just to understand the most simple things it really humbles you as a parent. I was talking to my 17 year old the other day and I probably will cry too, because that's what we do here on this (laughs) podcast. But I was talking to my 17 year old and she's getting ready to um, graduate and she's going to be leaving and going off to college and don't even get me started (laughs) on that. But um, there was an experience and I don't think I've ever shared this and it's a pretty sacred one to me and her but a couple years ago um i was finally deciding to face um to really choose to free myself of my own punishment for past mistakes and things that i had made and i knew i had been forgiven of those things but i could not forgive myself and i held on to that for a long long time with that feeling of like no like you there are so many people better than you. He is going to bless those people. You are not, you're not one of those, but share that love with other people, but you can't fully have that because of the things that you've, you know, choices you've made in your life. And, um, and it was just, and it finally hit, like, I, I would battle with this feeling, like, my whole life, like, for 20-something years. Well, I'm a lot older 20, so, but for, like, 20-something <laughs> years, <laughs> for, like, 20-something years, and, um, and finally, I, it was a Christmas Day, and I had finally just decided just to go talk to somebody about it, and, um, and it was terrifying and scary. And that same night, I had a conversation. My daughter came to me terrified and scary about something that she wanted to get off of her mind and to free herself from. And in that moment, I felt like that my daughter, who didn't live with it for 20 years and, and let it beat her and, you know, push her desire to feel that love from him and all of that she just showed me that we can trust those initial feelings that were worth being loved and that he is there and wants us to come to him. And it was just a really sweet experience. She had no idea what I was facing. She had no idea who I had called Christmas day to go talk to. And so for her to come to me that night, it was just a real confirming feeling of like, yeah. Look at your kids. <laughs> see, see how good they are. And even when our kids, my kids aren't making great choices and things that I would want, it opens up a, a conversation or like John, kind of like what you talked about. It kind of opens up more experience for you to learn more in that process. It's amazing how he can make anything into a beautiful learning
1: yeah, I think experience. As a parent, it's hard because you want to step in and kind of be like, no, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. Um, but Mindy has brought this up to me a few times. It's if heavenly father, who's the ultimate, you know, creator, perfect, absolutely perfect. Um, and give us free agency and gives us the gift of free agency, then why would we take that from our kids? And obviously we mm-hmm. have to, you know, as parents, we have to protect them, but, and not just let them go do whatever they want. But we also, if we don't let them have those experiences, then they won't grow. And...
0: Yeah. They won't know how to walk in that yep. windstorm, right? And keep their head down and keep pushing through. And I think that, I just keep thinking about that example, like this whole time we've been visiting, is that he? we came down here with a little piece of him in us. And he gave us our own spiritual gifts and things, but it's up to us to channel our desires to be in line with him. And I'm so grateful that he did not send us out into a windstorm or anywhere else without being protected, without having tools to strengthen ourselves to walk through it. Like Mindy, when you, I was there when you, went back to the temple that first time and you're you're beautiful anyway let's just john can you agree okay (laughs) she's beautiful anyway but when i saw her in the celestial room after it was this real pure heavenly glow that she felt complete and protected and loved by god And I think that that's what he wants to give us. That's why he wants us so bad to have those desires to come to him because he has so much he wants to give us in return. And I think, John, you talked about that with your coming to know Christ and your real desire to know him. You are like (laughs) geeking out over doctrine. (laughs) Like did John Beekler when he was, I don't know, in high school, think he'd be geeking out over doctrine he and be sitting he, up on the stand
1: and conducting sacrament meetings. Uh, probably love too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just think it is so amazing what the atonement of Christ and the covenants that he gives us sustains us in those times. So how have you guys used your experience now in the temple and your experiences with this like rebirth of your testimonies. How has that what does that make you feel as a couple and as a family? Well it's definitely How has that changed you guys?
2: strengthened our our marriage in like the depth of it. I think that um, we just are more in tune to one another. And like most couples, you're never or you're rarely on the same page. Like, you know, one's always feeling like they're falling short and so the other one helps pull them along um and I think that Mm -hmm. I use even the experience with you um to try to keep a clear mind so that I can then help be that conduit to other people because because I think that if you hadn't been close to Heavenly Father and allowed Him to speak to you and to act on those promptings, I don't know that I would have gone back. You know what I mean? Like, you you don't know. But I just, I think that I even share that with my kids all the time. Like, you can be that person that can help someone else out. You know, if, if you can listen to your heart and listen to the Holy Ghost, and you can be the answer to someone else's prayers. And I think that even within our family, um, it's that, that we can help answer each other's prayers through listening. So,
0: <laughs> do you make me cry. Oh my, you make me cry. Um, I love this quote. It says, Our merciful and long-suffering Lord is ever ready to help. His arm is lengthened out all the day long. And even if his arm goes ungrasped, it will unarguably still be there. In the same redemptive reaching out, our desiring to improve our human relationships usually requires some long-suffering. Sometimes reaching out is trying to pat a porcupine. Even so, the acclimated quill marks are evidence that our hands of fellowship have been stretched out too. And I love that. I love that his arm is always stretched out. And sometimes it might not feel like we doubt ourselves in our ability to grasp that back. And maybe as we are trying to reach, things happen that scar us up along the way. But like every experience that we have in our life, it's just marks of our own that we are willing to do whatever to come to him. And I absolutely loved, loved that quote. Um, in Doctrine and Covenants, uh, let me see what verse that is. In Doctrine and Covenants um, 38 and 39, it says, And by their desires and their works, they shall know them. And when they have found them, they shall know these things unto them. And they shall fall down and worship the father in my name. And like Mindy said, and you must preach unto the world saying, you must repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And um, I love those verses simply because that our desires and our works, he knows like he knew where John was at when he was at his lowest of lows he knew in that deep place, there was a little light and a little spark and it was going to be ignited. And now look at him. When you were in the presence of John, you were in the presence of a really humble servant of Christ, who you I'll know, sure you I love you him so much. After- and <laughs> no, that's a more of an $8 comment. But anyway, it's true. It's true. It's absolutely true where you feel that And I am so grateful for you too. And I'm so grateful for your courage to open up yourselves and your vulnerability. Um, At the end of every one of our little visits, I ask everybody the same question. What keeps you coming
2: back to the well of Jesus Christ? Mindy,
0: do you want to answer that first?
2: Yeah. Um, I think that it's just the whole theme of this desire. I have the desire to know the truth desire for an eternal family, um, desire to return to Heavenly Father. I want to fill my bucket and have all just the knowledge and the true love of, from Jesus Christ.
0: Ah, oh, I love that, Mindy. Thank you. John?
1: Yeah, so <clears throat> for me, it would be um, eternal family. I I just couldn't imagine myself. Um, I see when some people lose family members and, you know, they might not be religious or they might not believe of a life after this. I can't imagine how hard that is for them. And knowing that even after this life, I can be with my family um, and live, you know, with heavenly father. That's just blows my mind. And I don't understand it at all. I mean, so much more than any of us could ever understand, trying to understand something that doesn't end, eternity. But what brings me back is, it truly is, I think, the love of my family and the love of Christ um, and the love of my Heavenly Father. I just felt like those were the people that never gave up on me, um, no matter how hard things got. And I felt like the majority of my life, I've carried dragged or whatever it was <laughs> but they just never gave up on me and they got me to a point where I can stand on my two feet and I, I see things that I didn't see before and understand things and now it's my turn to also serve and to love people and to help people um, see and feel what I do and it's and it's not that I want them to believe what I believe. I just want them to have the opportunity to feel what I felt. And obviously that will be their choice to do with whatever they want with it. But I I really think it's just love and G and savior, heavenly father and my family that drive me daily.
0: I love that, John. That's exactly, as a matter of fact, how the story of the woman at the well ends where she finally comes to this full understanding of Christ and his love. And she leaves her pitcher of water there and she runs to the city to tell everybody that this Christ that we have been talking about is there. Come see him. And she's not telling them this is what, you know, you need to believe this first, or this is what I believe. She invites them to come and find out for themselves what she's experienced. So that's a, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks you too, for, doing this you You guys are awesome and thank you for being here and sharing in this conversation with john and mindy i hope you left as i did with a renewed and refreshed desire to come to the well of christ i love a song that was shared with me by a friend it's called scars by the group i am they and I hope you enjoy it. Take a minute to listen to it. It's a great accompaniment to this um, message that was left for us by the Beeklers. So enjoy, and we'll see you next time.